Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You are listening to As a Woman, episode 117, Fighting Infertility with Samantha Bush. Welcome to As a Woman, the podcast hosted by fertility physician, Dr. Natalie Crawford, to educate and empower women. Each week, learn about your health, your fertility, and how they relate to your true self. Become a part of the community, fostering collaboration over competition while learning how to authentically find your voice and amplify others as a woman. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited to have Samantha Bush on today to share her story and talk about her new book, Fighting Infertility. Look, if you've gone through fertility treatments or had infertility, you know what a roller coaster of emotions this can be. I don't usually have people on to share their own journey because it's so hard and it makes us want to compare against each other. But Samantha has been such a huge advocate for the fertility community that I was thrilled to have her on. If you don't know her, she is wife to NASCAR champion Kyle Busch and mom to a five-year-old named Brexton. She is an author, an entrepreneur, a lifestyle blogger, an infertility warrior, a philanthropist, and co-owner of a professional race team. Her first book, Fighting Infertility, was published March 30th of 21, and she is being raw, real, and sharing her personal fertility journey that has lasted for nearly a decade. She and her husband, Kyle, have also started the Bundle of Joy Fund, which she will talk about, which is a grant to help people pay for fertility treatments. To date, the fund has awarded almost a million dollars to help cover the cost of IVF for up to 70 couples. And so far, 37 babies have been born due to their grant. So we are honored to have her in this community and to be sharing her fertility story with us today. Samantha, thank you so much for coming on the As A Woman podcast. We are so thrilled to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to get to talk today and it's an honor to be on the podcast. So I'd love it if you would start by just giving the summary of how you became such a public figure when it comes to infertility, because your infertility journey, you've shared a lot of, and if you want to kind of give the high level summary for people who don't know you, I think that'd be wonderful. Sure. Um, how much time do you have? It's yeah, been quite all the day, journey. all day. Let's go. <laughs> um, okay. So my husband and I met when um, I was just a junior in college. 
fell in love, got engaged, got married, la la la, right? So, you know, took our first few years of marriage just to enjoy being married. And then I think there's that time that comes for a lot of couples that you're like, okay, all of our friends are having kids, like we're excited, let's enter into this next chapter. And so at that time, we were like 25 and 26, never, like no health problems, worked out, ate pretty good, you know, and just thought, okay, this is just going to happen because that's how it was Young and healthy, it's going to happen. Here we go. I mean, I was either, my friends were getting pregnant within the first few months and or some of my girlfriends were like, oops. And, you know, they were so excited and everybody had kids and I was like, woohoo, here we go. So, you know, a few months go by, nothing's happening. A few more months go by, nothing's happening. Now I'm kind of calling the OBGYN. I'm like, something's wrong. They're like, no, no, it hasn't been a year. You've been on birth control for forever. Like give it a year. Like, okay. But I'm type A and have zero patients. So now I'm on the internet. Terrible (laughs) idea. I'm like, what can I do? So anything that we could try from sex positions to if I needed to eat it or drink it, I would. And then I started getting the ovulation kits, which told me I was ovulating like all the time. So I'm like, okay, I have no idea what's going on. Um, I kid you not, there was one point that my husband and I were just so desperate. I was like, look, we're going to have sex every day, maybe even twice a day, because I don't know what's happening, but this seems like the only logical way to get pregnant. So So you were just going for, were you taking, you were taking tests and you were getting positives and you were trying everything, right? I was ovulating, but my periods were kind of all over the place and everybody just kept saying, give it a year, give it a year. Okay. So, you know, even, and and I joke because all men are like, oh, I'd have sex every day. Well, yeah. By like day 22, my husband was like, okay, but really, Sex burnout. That's a real thing. Well, because also it's not like the spontaneous, exciting sex. It's like the, we are trying to make a baby and it's not working sex, which is just totally different. Um, So anyways, after around the year mark, my hair was falling out. I was just covered in acne. And then I just started bleeding a lot one day and I was like, Am I miscarrying? Is this a bad period? I'm so confused. I was like keeping track of all my periods. They were just all over the map. And so I finally called my OBGYN and I was like, I know it hasn't exactly been a year. I think I'm at month like 11. Can I, I need to come see you. Like something's wrong. And so she was like, okay. So I go in, they do blood work. They do an ultrasound and right at the ultrasound, she's like, oh, you have PCOS. How how frustrating was it to feel like you were getting pushed aside at the beginning? Oh, you're young. Oh, just wait this arbitrary time period. Yet then finally going and being told, oh, here's this thing that's preventing you from getting pregnant. That's got to be very frustrating, right? It was very frustrating. Well, at first it was very scary because I had no idea what PCOS was. So I'm like, well, what does this mean? You know, like, what am I, are we ever going to have kids? Do, is there something like really wrong? Um, and so, you know, had to do a deep dive on that, but then, yeah, there was a lot of frustration. Um, not as frustrating as when I get to the next point. So they put me on Clomid, which I was certifiably crazy during those four or five months. It's a rough medication. (laughs) It was the worst. Um, I talk about it in my book. Like I literally 
was losing it over movies, over salads, like you name it. It was bad. So anyways, after, I can't remember if it was four or five cycles, but they finally said, hey, we think you need to go to a fertility clinic. Like this is all we can do. So I remember we sat down with the doctor and, you know, we had all of our paperwork with us and we're telling them everything we've gone through. And they're like, oh, okay. Do you have um, your husband's analysis of, of what? Like we just both looked and we're like, what are you talking about? They're like, his semen analysis. And we're like, no, I, I have the problem. And they're like, wait a second, please tell me you weren't just on months of Clomid and nobody bothered to check him. And we're like, we had no idea. I mean, we were so young and I tell people this was at a time there weren't podcasts. Instagram was just starting. There weren't infertility support groups. So people weren't talking about it. So we didn't no, you didn't know what was normal. And I love that you talk about this point because I often see women on the other end of the spectrum who will come to me and say, I'm not ovulating because my periods are irregular. So can you just give me some Clomid? I don't want to get my husband tested. I don't want to get you know my tubes checked or do these other things because I'm the problem. And I always say, no, I have to check everything because it's going to be very frustrating to give you a medication and make you crazy for a few months if we find out it was not going to work based on other testing that we could find out now and just skip all of that. But I think that women specifically sometimes try to take on that blame. Oh, I'm the problem. Just fix me. It'll all be fine. And infertility really is a disease that can have many different causes. Sometimes the cause is unknown. Sometimes it's both partners. And it's really important to get that full evaluation. And it's so frustrating to feel like you're undergoing treatment without all of those data points. Yes, that is the biggest thing that I try to talk about is just knowing the hand that you're dealt before. Because I think, you know, nowadays, even there's so many at-home kits that you could take, um, which are even more accurate ovulation trackers, or they'll tell you what your hormone levels are, or you could, you know, send off a semen analysis. So it's not as, you know, embarrassing as my <laughs> husband might say. Um, and, and then, you know, and I wish I always tell like some of my friends that are, you know, going to have kids now, I'm like, even if you don't think you have a problem, just, just go ahead. You'll save yourself so much frustration and heartache if you knew the problem up front, because it's really that unknown that's so hard because you're just kind of throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks, but you you really don't know that it doesn't matter what supplement you take or how much acupuncture or your diet or your exercise. Like if your husband's not making sperm and you're not making mature eggs, there's nothing that's really gonna help you at that point. Right. No um, supplement's going to make all of that better. Right. You know, eating salmon and avocado and, and nuts every day is not suddenly going to make either of those change. Like it's definitely great to incorporate all those into your healthy lifestyle and to help with your fertility. But when you have an underlying issue like that, that's the hardest thing. Um, so anyways, we, you know, we're told that my husband had male factor. I had PCOS. They said, all right, IVF is your best option. Um, that in itself was overwhelming, but step-by-step, step, we got through it. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Ritual. Did you know that women were excluded from clinical research policy by federal law until 1993? But women belong in scientific research. They're essential and Ritual knows this. I choose Ritual Multivitamin every day 
because it is easy to take. And I know that I am getting high quality and traceable ingredients in a clean and bioavailable forms. In fact, Ritual conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy, and the results showed increase in vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. No life shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash A-A-W. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash A-A-W for 25% off. Thank you, Ritual. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Apostrophe. With the temperatures starting to warm up, I'm so excited the summer is around the corner and getting ready and looking forward to the summer months. But I know that when I'm outside enjoying nature, I need to pick up supplies to prepare myself for summer adventures. And if you want to get your skin glowing in time for summer, it's time for you to get started with Apostrophe, who is sponsoring this episode. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. So whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. I personally love that you get access to an expert dermatology team, a tailored treatment plan, it's simple to sign up for your first visit, and there is no in-person appointment or trip to the pharmacy needed. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash A-A-W when you use our code A-A-W. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash A-A-W and click get started. Then use the code AAW at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Quince. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, but Quince partners directly with top factories, cutting out the cost of the middleman, passing the saving to us, and only working with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I personally cannot wait to wear my cute tan linen set this summer. So it's your turn to get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash A-A-W for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash A-A-W to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash A-A-W. Thank you, Quince. Um, and with our first transfer with our son, we got pregnant, had this textbook pregnancy. Everything was perfect. So you're kind of sorry. living in the world of... Well, we had this struggle to get to number one, but we fixed it. We figured out what the problem was and we are textbook IVF people because we have male factor and PCOS. So we get pregnant our first transfer. Life is great. Now we know what to do to get pregnant with the next one. That's probably the world you lived in for a while. That was the exact world. And during that time, 
when our son was born, we decided to start our Bundle of Joy Fund to help other people pay for IVF. Um, I started talking about our journey. And then as Brexit got a little bit older and we decided for number two, I thought, okay, now at this point, social media is huge. People are starting to talk about infertility. And I'm like, you know what? How cool would it be if we brought people with through the whole thing? So then it took away some of that anxiety. So I was like, okay, that's what we're going to do. We're going to film the shots and show people all the things that we're doing and maybe it'll make it less scary. So we go through it all. We do the transfer. I get pregnant. We announce it. And it's again, like I was just living in this, like on cloud nine of like, this is my life's work, like, you know, with the foundation and helping women be less afraid of this process or to speak up about if they feel like something's wrong, yada, yada. And then literally my world since then has just come crashing down, like the bubble burst. So we announced that we were pregnant and then it was about a week later out of nowhere, I was playing with my son and I started just bleeding really heavy. And Mm -hmm. I called our fertility clinic and they were like, are you cramping? And I was like, yeah, really bad. And they're like, okay, you need to come in. And I just, We'll never forget that drive. Like I had a pad on. I just remember it was soaked. My jeans were soaked. The seat. And I just remember taking a jacket, like tying it around me and running into the clinic and just being like, oh, this is it. And we got there and they did the ultrasound and they said, well, your cervix actually closed. We see a small sack, not as big as it should be, but we have to call it a threatened miscarriage. So I had to wait 48 hours, which was terrible. Yeah. I was like, I just, I want an answer. And then, you know, you try to talk yourself into it because now I'm on the internet again. Right. And it's like all of these stories of women who've been through the exact same thing and, and it ended up being fine. Mm -hmm. Gives you some hope that you really put everything into. Yes. So I'm like, okay, this is, we're going to be fine. And, uh, we are not. And so ended up Having that miscarriage, um, that was probably the hardest year um, as me, like as a woman, on our marriage, on our family, just everything fell apart like really fast. And um, so we're really open about it. We had to work with a therapist, you know, found a good church, just had to kind of overcome that. So um, a year later, we did another transfer. They called and they were like, it's a failed cycle. I'm like, what, what are you talking How? You know, so. Because you hadn't had a negative cycle before then. Exactly. So they go in, um, they did the reoccurring pregnancy loss panel. The results come back. They're like, everything looks fine. But what we see is you've been pregnant, you've miscarried. Now you had a failed cycle. So you're going the wrong way. And so they said, you know, would you consider a surrogate? So they told you, this has always shocked me. So they told you to consider surrogacy after one miscarriage and then one negative transfer. Yes. They, I was like, what is, what is our best option at this point you know now it's been two years and you can't find anything wrong 
So it's got, again, as a woman, it's got to be me, right? There's something wrong with me. So move forward, try the surrogate, and she has a failed cycle. So now I'm just like, I, I'm so confused. Yeah, now the whole, I mean, everything's raining down, right? And yeah. you're just in the depths of that. Infertility is hard enough, right? What you went through initially, if we think of your story in two pieces, having finding out you have PCOS, that's hard. Going to the fertility clinic, male factor, getting on board with IVF and understanding that process when everybody's not talking about it. All of that's so hard. But this other side of the fertility treatment failures, that's an entirely different ballgame, don't you think? It is because when you're struggling beforehand, and once they told us about IVF, that was kind of like the answer. So when the answer doesn't work, you're like, okay, well, what's next? And then you try a surrogate. And when that doesn't work, you're like, well, there are not many more options here. Like, what am I supposed to do at this point? And so at that point, I love my clinic here in Charlotte, but I was like, I'm going to go get a bunch of second opinions and just see what I'm supposed to do. So met with a number of doctors and most of them were like, we think you need to start all the way back over at egg retrieval. Seven, six, my son's six now, seven years later. And did you, you still had embryos remaining, but the kind of consensus was maybe the embryos aren't the best quality? Is- yeah. So the embryos, the first three that we transferred, and I know you know more about this than I can explain it correctly, were the quote unquote best graded ones. Is that how you would term yeah. it? And then the next one that we transferred was like a step down. And then the remaining ones they said weren't as high quality, like it could work, but based on the fact that the other ones that were higher quality, I'm not sure yeah, what the grade, correct, yeah, higher grade. grade didn't work. They weren't confident. And then my second and third opinion from different doctors, they were like, well, we're not confident. And I'm like, okay, can somebody just tell me what to do? Um, which I think is something as a fertility patient, you're just like, someone just tell me what to do because I don't know. I'm overwhelmed. I'm, you know, either picking up the pieces from a miscarriage or a failed cycle. Um, no one talks about the stress of like finding a surrogate match, which that, is that's the hardest thing in the entire field. Yeah. I mean, especially during COVID. Um, there was just so much. I was like, does somebody please tell me what I'm supposed to do? So we took the new doctor's opinion. He said, I would like to start all the way back at egg retrieval. And now I'm like, but you know, I'm seven years older. I'm not that young 26 year old anymore. Is it going to be okay? And they ran all the tests and they're like, we think you'll be fine. Went through egg retrieval, you know, got our embryos, which they were pleasantly surprised. And I don't know if the grading scale, how it works. I don't really understand that. It also hurts my heart to even say that they have to be graded. It's just it's a whole thing. Um, but they said that we had five really highly graded quality embryos. So that gave us some hope. Um, he said, there's no reason after looking at you that you shouldn't be able to carry. I did 
all the supplements, all the acupuncture. I stopped working out hard and did like my bar classes again. And I ate salmon and kale and avocados every single day and went to acupuncture twice a week and did every single thing that I knew what to do or was recommended to do. Um, did the transfer on St. Patrick's Day and got a positive test and was like, wow, okay. You're like over the hump, you know, that yeah. was the problem. We needed a new set of embryos. Exactly. On cloud nine. And then um, I went in and I remember I, I gave the nurse my arm and I was like, test my blood, but I'm pregnant. <laughs> I'm pregnant, told like the entire office I'm pregnant. And um, they called that day and they're like, okay, you are pregnant. Take a breath. But, but, but. hated but, right? And I was like, no, 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 no. You have no idea what my last few years have been like. I just need you to stop right there. And they're like, okay, but your numbers are low. They're like, but it doesn't, you know, the second test is what's going to tell us. If it goes up by 50%, we're still going to be good. Go for the second test. It went up just a little bit. So they're like, okay, well, it still went up a little bit. You have to go for a third test. Went for a third test. It went up a little bit more. Okay, well, it's a bigger jump than the last time. So I need you to go for a fourth test. Go to the fourth test. My numbers like skyrocketed. So you're like, oh, slow start, but we're good. Right. Because after the third one, they're like, this is mostly an atopic pregnancy. So then I'm Googling like, what the hell is an atopic? Like what's happening now? And then 48 hours later, that's what they said. They're like, it could have been delayed implantation. We're not sure. You have to go get tested again. Okay. All right. So 48 hours later, numbers come back. They've like more than doubled. So now I'm like, whoa, this is it. Like, okay. So then they said, well, because of how weird your start was, you need to go for an ultrasound. So I was right at, right at a little over six weeks. Go to the ultrasound. And they're like, okay, unfortunately, your sac is measuring more like five and a half weeks, like a week behind. We don't see anything. If it was delayed implantation, couldn't make sense. Come back next week. So now at this point, I'm just. You're like, no, I've been here before, I, right? I'm like, I just, I just somebody give me an answer. You know, I mean, when you think about it, it's now April of 2021. And it's just been one thing after another since, you know, October of 2018 since that first miscarriage. And I'm like, okay. So we go back for the second ultrasound and they're kind of, you know, she's doing the ultrasound and she's kind of makes this face like, huh, what? what? She goes, um, there's two sacks. Like, well, what do you mean there's two sacks? They put one, one embryo in. What do you mean? She's like, well, the sack from last week grew bigger. We can see, they didn't call it a heartbeat. They called it a flutter. Mm -hmm. Like a little so flicker, mm -hmm. but they couldn't measure it. They're like, we see a flicker in one. And they're like, and now this second sack has appeared and it's taking shape the correct way. I guess it 
you probably know a lot more about what the sack starts dividing and looking like. So I'm like, excuse me, are you telling me like these could be identical twins? And they're like, well, you put one in there and there's two now. So you have to come back next week. So then you're really hopeful. Oh, I am like planning the nursery, picking out matching names and outfits, like you name it. Literally like just, oh my gosh, like so excited. Can't believe it. And so, and by the way, this whole time I am like nauseous, my boobs hurt. So I'm like, this is it. And I'm getting more sick as the days go. And I'm like, yes, this is, this is, this is it. So we go back for our third ultrasound and they do the ultrasound and they're like, we're sorry, there's nothing in either of them. Falling off a cliff right there, right? I was like, I need you to check again. I need you to keep checking. And they're like, I'm sorry. I was like, well, are you sure? Like, can I come back next week? You know, and they're like, well, at this point, you're nine and a half weeks and your sacs are measuring like five and six weeks. So there's nothing there. So I was like, okay. All right. And how does that happen? You know, and talk to the doctor and they're like, you did everything right. The embryo was, you know, just they pick the best looking one, right? That's what they said. They pick the one that looks the best. You don't know how they do that, but so I'm like, okay, if I'm on paper, everything's great. On paper, our embryo's great. I've done everything known to man outside of the medical realm, like sleep and de-stress and eat. What else is there? What else is there? Um, and then I, they told me like, okay, you know, have you been spotting or bleeding at all? I was like, not at all. So like, okay, well, you'll come off your meds and probably within like two weeks or so, you'll start to miscarry. Of course, that didn't happen. So I was like, how, what's happening? Like, well, essentially, you're still growing two empty sacs. So they said, you know, they give you the two options of give you medicine or you can have a DNC, which is just also in itself. I'm like, at that point, I'm like, just please tell me what I'm supposed to do. I, I, don't like, I don't want either of these options. I want to be pregnant, but just what is going to help the most, right? That's what I said. I was like, can I just do nothing? They're like, well, yes, but no. no. So you have to do something. And so, yeah, I shared um, on Instagram a few weeks ago. I had a DNC the Friday before Mother's Day and spent my Mother's Day um, on the couch still like essentially bleeding and it was horrific. So that's, that's where I'm at. Um, yeah. I mean, Samantha, you've been through so much and, you know, from one, just as another woman, I'm just saying, I love you. I'm so proud that you're so brave and sharing your story. I had three miscarriages and an ectopic pregnancy before I had my kids. And it was well before the days of the internet. And it was very isolating experiences. I think it still is, even if you have people who are supporting you. And it is an extreme time of 
self-blame and self-doubt. Like what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my body? Was it this that I did? Was it that? Should I have done this thing differently? And I think that your eloquence and grace when talking about this really hard time, because it feels like it's been one different thing after another. I, I hope at the current moment you're taking, you know, some time for healing, but I always think some of the most important things come out of these WTF, like what the fuck appointments with your doctor and saying, Hey, and I tell my patients this all the time. Sometimes we don't know exactly what's going on, but we need a plan to do something different so that we can start process of elimination, thinking through, well, what could it be? What are we going to test or how are we going to change things or what are we going to do? And it's really, really hard to hear. And I say it probably every day, you know, we're only as good as we are. You know, we do not have a hundred percent success rates, you know, live birth rates per genetically normal embryo transfer national average is usually between 60 to 70%, you know? And so that means that a lot of people have negative cycles or miscarriages along the way. And sometimes you just roll the coin, the bad side, you know, multiple times. And the greatest odds is that if we keep going, we'll eventually get to the right one, but it is so hard. And I struggle with it too, as a doctor, you know, sitting on the other side of saying, how are we going to get there? What do we have to change? What are we missing? What can we add to this? What does this one person need? Because it it's so hard emotionally on both ends of it. But I'm, you know, always been so impressed by you by sharing your story, especially when it's not been easy. And it's one of those things where I'm sure at some moments you're, I don't know, have you had moments where you didn't want to share? I know you've gathered a lot of support from the community, but I think it's one thing to say, let's film our IVF journey and show people what it's like. Like that sounds kind of warm and fuzzy. And it's another thing to say, let's show all these negatives and the DNC and the miscarriage and the loss and the heartbreak. Those are really hard things to share. Is it, has that been hard on you? Yeah. Um, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. You know, I always want to share with people because I know that there's probably so many other women around the world or the country that are sitting there facing the exact same thing. And it's nice to be able to connect with those people and know like, okay, you know, this is hard or this is scary or this is nerve wracking, but somebody else can go through it with me. It was, I even say there was another girl and she won't care. Her name's Jenna. And, um, another, infertility site was like, Hey, shout out to these you know, girls in our community going for their transfer today. And so I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, I don't mean to sound like weird, but I was just wondering, like, can we like DM each other throughout this like few day wait and, you know, just kind of be support. Yeah. yeah. She's like, are you cramping? I'm like, I'm cramping a little, my boobs hurt. Do your boobs hurt? Like what's happening with you? And so, you know, cause you have your friends and you have your family, but somebody who literally transferred on the same day and her and I had not ever spoken to each other before. And it's just, that's what this community is. And so sometimes it is hard. Um, you know, after we found out that it really was a miscarriage and what was going to happen, we didn't give an update for a while. And a lot of people understood and were supportive of it. And then some people were like, well, how dare you not update us after this point? And I'm like, I just, I just need a moment to breathe, you know? Um, I just need a minute. And I will say though, um, I started reaching out to people on Instagram DMs from the community. I popped onto an app and was like, Hey guys, like, do I take the pills? Do I do a DNC? 
what do I do? You know, and kind of did it in the background instead of more at the foreground uh, that time. Cause I just, I, I didn't want people to be like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I know, like, I, I appreciate that. It's just, but I want some more advice. I want help. Right. Yeah. And so those women were just so instrumental in being like, this is how, this is what happened for me. And, you know, and and that's what I love about this community. Nobody's like, Hey, do this. This is the best way. They're always like, this is what I did. And this was the good of it. And this was the ugly of it. So, you know, that's ultimately, I chose to go down the route of having a DNC and it was, I mean, it was fine. You're medicated through it all. And it's just sad. And now my hormones hate me. Um, yeah, people are like, how are you? I'm like, a, a disaster because I don't, I feel like um like a teenager again, <laughs> Yeah, you know? It's so hard. And all you want really is to get back to normal or to be able to get to that next step, to that next stage of treatment or testing or whatever you're choosing to do. And you're stuck in the in-between after the miscarriage, waiting to kind of feel normal again. It's really the, it's like insult to injury on top of the miscarriage, I think. It really is. That's one topic that I really want to start talking about more is because I think I thought in my head I was going to have a DNC and I was going to be sad, but it was going to be like my last miscarriage where I was more grieving. So when I had my first miscarriage, it took a little bit, but I didn't feel like this. Like my hair wasn't falling out. I've got weird rashes on me. Like I'm just a disaster right now and I can't get back to normal. And it's like, so hard because you're so sad. You just lost a pregnancy. And in my head, I'm like, did I lose a pregnancy? Did I lose two pregnancies? Like, what do I call that? It just confuses me. And then it's like, okay, when do you start to feel like yourself again? Are you ever going to feel like yourself again? Like at least after the first miscarriage, I felt like myself. I was just really sad this time it's like, I turn around, I brush my hair and the floor is covered in hair and things like that. And you're like, when is, when does it stop? When does it just get better? And that's the hardest part. And the further along you are, the longer it takes. And I think, you know, that's part of it. You were, your body was making pregnancy hormone for a while and gearing up and getting ready because it didn't necessarily know what was going on. And it's just so, it's so hard. And it's just, it's lonely and it's just kind of leaves this void in you, especially when you ride the hope roller coaster. I know this and I know my patients have said this before. Oh, I would have rather that test be negative than go through that whole process, right? Just kind of the up and down, planning the nursery. Oh, and especially to have it split into twins. You're thinking matching cribs and what are you like? You're living it. You're, you're thinking this is the reward for struggling through all this infertility, right? Now I'm going to get two babies and we'll close the chapter and go and be happy. And then to have that dream die is just, it leaves a big hole in your heart. In addition to all the physical scars, what what are you doing kind of at the current moment to try to take care of yourself? Or what advice do you have for people who are going through this? Or do you not know because you're just still in the midst of it? Um, A little bit of both. I like to you know, when people ask or they're like, Hey, I'm going through this too. Um, first of all, Instagram is a highlight reel of your best self. Yes. And that's why I always tell people I'm going to post a picture where I have my shit all together and my hair is curled and everything. Um, you know, and I had done a recipe and that was planned for my feed and, 
that's not exactly how you feel. Right. And, and I always tell people like, you cannot look at social media because people are like, Oh, you seem to have it all together. I did not have it together at all. I am sad. I'm hurting. I'm bleeding. My hair is falling out. Like I am a disaster, you know, but I try not to, you know, sometimes I want to talk about that. And sometimes I'm like, I just don't want to feel all that right now. And, yeah. and that's okay. Like I tell people, you know, cause obviously you went to therapy after miscarriage and you're supposed to work through those emotions. And right now I'm like, Nope, Nope. I, I am just not really wanting to face all of it right now. Like it happened and it hurts and I hurt, but I don't know. It's just this really weird place. Like the first time I had a miscarriage, I just wanted to talk about it and, and cope with it and grieve and like memorialize it and just do all the things and, and try to feel better. And this time it's just like a wall has gone up and I'm like, no. I, I can't feel right now. Cause I don't want to feel that right now. Cause it hurts so much. Um, Ugh. I mean, I, I think one thing you're saying that I think is really important too for people to hear and to know is that boundaries are really good for you at all different times. But even when it's social media, that's your space that you've created and we are lucky to be let into your life and you have no obligation to share everything. And I'm sure you get negative trolley comments at times about you shouldn't do this or if you'd only done this or I can't believe you're sharing this and everybody wants to have an opinion on the matter, which is just ridiculous. And, you know, setting boundaries sometimes saying, I don't want to deal with that, or I don't have, I don't have the emotional reserve for that right now. That's okay too. Yeah. I, I tell people that a lot, that boundaries, I worked with a lot of therapists when I was writing my book and just trying to figure out how to give a little bit of concise advice. And I was like, okay, I would like to go to other women in the community and professionals and hear what they have to say. And along with what I did, like, I'm a big journaler. I love journaling because I just, it, I just get it all out, you know, yeah. and I, it just all comes out. And so that's a big piece of advice. But when I worked with the therapist, they were like, you have to set boundaries for yourself, for your marriage, for your friends, for everything. And that's been really helpful because, you know, the first time I had a miscarriage, I wanted to sometimes sit with my friends and talk about it. And this time I was like, I, like, do, do you want to talk? I'm like, absolutely not. I, I do not want to talk right now. I'm not there. I just sometimes when I go through like a podcast and explain everything that we've been through, it's kind of like a holy shit. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, lot. Hard. it's a lot. And, you know, I think one of re the reasons why, well, there's so many reasons why the infertility community loves you, but also you've been through so many different things. It resonates with so many different people on a personal level, not just oh, here's Samantha being honest and open, which is admirable on its own, but you're living through the different layers of PCOS, male factor, IVF, failed transfers, surrogacy, miscarriage, recurrent pregnancy loss. I mean, even just listing it out, you know, that's that's a ton to see somebody coming in. You know, if I saw your chart coming my way, the first thing I'd say is, my goodness, you've been through so much. And I do think that um, sometimes reliving that's really tough, but... I'm glad you're doing it for everybody here because I think the take-home message is one, 
you know, you're not alone, right? To anybody who's going through this. And we've talked about the fertility community a few times, but if you are new and you haven't found it yet on all different social sites, you know, Instagram's a huge one. There are people who have come together who are in the midst of, or who have gone through infertility and are really a huge sense of support, providing knowledge and resources and just community that can be really, really valuable. So if somebody's struggling or at the beginning of this journey and feeling like, you know, you did back at 25 or 26, all my friends are getting pregnant. We've been trying. Why is it not happening? You're you're not alone in that. There are a ton of us in this community who have been there and who've gone through it. And I think the other thing is that there's really a lot of power in your story for advocating for yourself. And, you know, a few times you mentioned along the way about saying, you know, you're type A or you want that appointment, you want to get the information, you want to move forward with the aggressive treatment, getting opinions at a new clinic. I tell people all the time, you're not married to one clinic or one doctor or your OBGYN. You know, you can go to a fertility clinic at any time you want. You can if you're not having success. And I, there's times I have patients and I say, you should go get another opinion, you know, because you need more eyes on this. You need to see maybe there's something I'm not thinking about. Maybe you'll come back and say, they had the exact same plan as you. And now I feel more confident in it. You know, it doesn't mean that something's wrong, but we're all trained a little different. We all do things a little bit differently. We all have different ideas. And I think as long as you're going somewhere where, you know, they're staying on top of the evidence and the research and they're explaining to you, but advocating for yourself is, is good and really needed in the current fertility world for most people. It's so true. I had a lot of people. So our Bundle of Joy Fund is connected to the REACH Clinic here in Charlotte. They are like family. You know, Mm -hmm. I've worked with them now for so many years with our fund. And it is hard when I was like, hey, I love you guys, but I'm going to go to a different clinic and I'm going to go talk to different doctors. And they were like, completely we, you know, we want that for you. Like, I think a lot of, I've had a lot of women say, well, I'm scared. I don't want them to get upset. They're not going to be upset with you for getting a second or third or even fourth opinion. And to your point, sometimes the patients come back and they're like, okay, it's exactly the same, you know? And then sometimes like for me, it wasn't that there was, you know, that everybody was saying something different. I just, in my head was like, okay, I'm going to try a new clinic because a new lab, a new environment. I'm yes. going to try it all. And that way, if it doesn't work, then at least, you know, one day, regardless of where our journey or our chapter or whatever ends, I could say, okay, I did what I could. And then another topic that I, I know we could talk all day is, um, and speaking of social media is people are like, I want to talk about secondary infertility because hmm. that is such a beast in and of itself. And it's so hurtful when people are like, why aren't you just happy with your son? Just grateful for the one you have. Yeah. Why, why are you aren't you this? just grateful? And I said, I am so grateful for him. And half the reason I fight so hard for a sibling is for him. And it's so easy for people on the outside to just be like, well, you have him and he's great. I'm like, you don't see when he cries, when we go to things, because he's the only one without a sibling. You don't see when he prays at night to have a sibling because he feels left out. And sure, he might be an only child and we work through his emotions with him. We've always been, and this was another thing with getting to read books and talk with therapists. We're always create a safe space for him to tell us, his real emotions, you know? Um, 
so when he's sad or when he's happy and and that's the thing and it's just so hard and I've met so many women now that are like I love my child that I have and if that's what it ends up being that I have one child then that's what it ends up being but I don't think it makes me a bad mother for wanting a second child. No. And I so, so many people with secondary infertility say the same thing. They feel like they don't fit with a lot of people who have infertility because they feel judged for mm-hmm. wanting more or being selfish or greedy or whatever that kind of idea is that people are telling them they're not grateful. And just like I tell every every person you're allowed to want the family you want to have, right? That's your desire. And it does not mean you're not grateful for your your child already. It means you think that there's a missing person in your family that you're trying to bring in, right? And I think that that's still extremely valid and it doesn't hurt less because you already have a child. In a lot of ways, it hurts more because this, you probably resonate with this. Here you are Mother's Day, like sad and on the couch when, yeah, you'd love to be spending it doing other things or spending time with your child, but you're doing this, right? It's a tough place to be. It's really hard. And that's the thing about infertility. And I love that so many people are speaking up about it because even this many years into it, you know, you find somehow it always creates a new feeling, a new problem, a new issue. And the the greatest part of this community is I know I could go on my phone and whether it's an app or an Instagram or a support group and say, okay, what did you do during this? How did you feel? Is there anything that helped, you know? And, and that's, that's so helpful. And, you know, like I, I put the post out because people are like, well, what are you guys going to do? And, and I had told them about the DNC and the miscarriage and the Mother's Day. And this lady reached out to me and she was like, I, I was bleeding on Mother's Day too. I was recovering from the DNC at the same time, like across the country. And I was like, you know, it was just, it's not nice because you don't want anybody else to have to go through that. Like her and I got to chat and like, how, how are you doing? How are you feeling? do you want to talk about it? You know? And, and there isn't, it's, it's so weird because people are like, how can you talk to strangers like that? I'm like, it's easier because yeah, there's that's no a safe place. Yes. And, and there's no judgment and you don't have to worry about what you say or how you're feeling. Cause these people feel like the exact same things. Cause you're going through it together. Yeah. It's not really a stranger. It's more like a peer who's experiencing the exact same thing. You're just not yeah. being connected. And it's really more you know, helpful probably than talking to people who love you and care about you in your real life, but who've never been through it and have no idea. It is. Some of my friends, they're like, well, why don't you talk to me about this? And I'm like, it's not because I don't love you or I don't want to talk to you about it, but I find the support that I need, like you said, from other people in the community, because, you know, my best friend, I, love her to death. She has three kids. It's the walking joke that her and her husband pass in the hallway and they get pregnant. Like, and I love her to pieces. And she's always so like self-conscious about what she says. Cause she's like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I was like, you will not offend me. Like we're, yeah. we're basically family. I was like, but I know that you've never been through this. So I can go on social and talk to somebody who's living it almost in real time. Like I am. And it just, it really helps with the healing. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say to you like, oh yeah, I've been through all that and I feel great. 
But I can honestly say is from the miscarriage in 2018 to this miscarriage, I've had so many extra tools and resources and connections to be able to cope with it and to be able to handle it better and understand it better than I did. And, you know, I I don't think that you ever get over it, quote unquote. No, you don't. But, But the first time I went through it, I just spent days crying and I, it just felt like I was never going to get out of this hole. And and this time there was a lot of crying. There was a lot of tears. There was a lot of sad days, but I felt like, okay, let's get the pieces, get your shit together and keep moving forward. Like you got to be strong and, and, you know, and, and you, you learn things and, and you, I don't want to say feel better quicker because that's not right, but you talk to other women, you get their support. It just, they empower you. I think that's yes. the word I'm looking for. They empower you to get through the hardest of struggles and to keep moving forward. I I mean, I think that's so true. You can gain so much support and feel inspired and empowered from just knowing that these other people have your back and they've been through it or seeing people on the other side or in the midst of it. And one thing you said was about like your fertility doctor, you know, you've heard people say that they would be upset if they switched clinics or, you know, and I, I've heard people say that too. And I, I just want to say as on my side of it, I just got a baby announcement in the mail from one of my patients who left and went to another clinic. You know, I had her for part of the journey. We made embryos and then we weren't having success with transfer and she ended up going somewhere else. And she has a baby and I'm thrilled for her, right? That's the point. It's not bitter that oh, she left and I'm resentful. I'm thrilled that she's on that other side of the journey. And it's, it takes a team. You know, you have to find your team. You have to find what works for you. And sometimes you just need a new environment. And that's literally what she said. I've had too much loss here and I love you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go somewhere else. And I said, I think that's perfectly appropriate. You know, go and keep me updated. So we all are rooting for our patients. And I think that what you're doing is giving people, you know, a list of things to talk to their doctor about, feeling like they can talk to their team, ask appropriate questions. And those things are so important. I want to jump to ask you about the book. So did you always want to write a book? Like, how did this come about? Um, well, I'm a journaler. That's my form of my therapy. And Same. so it really started a while ago. Uh, before we even went through IVF, just those feelings of you know, what's wrong with me? Why, why, why God, why me? What's happening? And I just started writing everything down. And then, you know, as we kept going through our journey, I was like, man, the biggest thing I hear from people is thanks for talking about this. I don't feel either alone, crazy. Like I'm the only person facing this, you know? Um, and so I thought, I want to write our whole story because people know our story from this segment or this segment, but I want to write it through and through so that people can A, not feel alone, but B, see what we got wrong or see what we got right and take that and be able to say, like, for example, you know, when I found out I had PCOS and I went on Clomid, but we didn't know to ask for a semen analysis. Well, my hope is by putting it in the book, Somebody Other people will know aren't, aren't going to spend, I don't know if it's four or five cycles because it's been so many years, but aren't going to spend that time 
just being like, oh, okay, well, this is what I was told to do, so I'm going to do it. You know, they were going to be, oh, I remember in this book that we should get him tested too, or, you know, different things in our marriage. Um, that's a big chapter that I talk about because everybody, you know, thinks sometimes you see people on social and, you know, they've got their husband by them. And even though they're dealing with this hard stuff, the husband's giving them the shots and you're like, what the hell? Like, like that's just, not how it really is. We're just fighting all the time. And so I wanted to write about it in the book because it doesn't just take a toll on you personally. It takes a toll on your entire marriage. It takes a toll on your friendships. It takes a toll on everything. And I wanted to be very open about that and to be open that sometimes you're not going to be able to get it right by yourself. You're going to need to go to a therapist and there's no shame in that. I think a lot of people are still like, you have to go to a marriage counselor. You don't go to like, yes, we went because we're having problems, but marriages work and going to a counselor shows that you're putting in that work. You're trying to make it better. So it shouldn't be this like shameful thing. Um, so yeah, there's just a ton of reasons why I wanted to write the book and it's not funny, but, um, since the book ended to where we are now, I'm like, she's O'Crimini. I could have written a whole nother book from, yeah. you're like, I need book two. Yeah. From trying to find a surrogate during COVID, which is finding, finding a surrogate is like, essentially finding a husband almost because harder maybe there's less of them (laughs) well there's a lot less of them and you like I always try to explain it to this like you know when you find a babysitter for your first child for the first time and there was that commercial I don't remember that commercial but remember she was like interviewing and the lady had like a PhD in child psychology and she was like yeah I don't think you're good enough um do you remember that commercial it's it's like the person who's going to literally have your child before you meet your child. It's so stressful. Like I would love to just talk about all of that one day. Cause there's so much stress. Now the surrogate that we used, we're like friends. We're so close. Like she's amazing. Um, but that's a topic in and of itself that I could go on about for hours. I'll just say this little funny piece. I remember being in target the day before the transfer and I'm in Target and I'm just standing there crying. And I call my husband from the middle of Target, like sobbing. He's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know what you're supposed to buy somebody who's going to carry your child. There's no Hallmark card for this. I don't know what's appropriate. Like, and I just stood there and people were just walking by. And I'm like, I will never forget. I'm standing in the bathroom section in pajamas, just bawling, like, what do you get somebody that you're that's gonna carry your your baby? That's a that's a big thing. Um, yeah, from that to this last transfer, the finding a new clinic, I'm like, okay, book two one day, I guess. Yeah, it's gonna be like a how-to guide, like how to survive all these different things. <laughs> I think Samantha, you know, we could talk all day and I've loved having you here. Uh, we talked before this started about maybe taking this onto Instagram and do some Instagram lives. Yes. And I'd love to do them about, you know, PCOS, about finding a surrogate, you know, all these different things that we've been talking about. I would love to maybe do a little series and divide them up and us kind of go through some of these ins and outs of both of those, if you are willing. But just tell everybody where to find you and where all your stuff is and all the things that you have your hands in. Yes. Well, first I want to say thank you because I feel like I learned so much from you. And you being a medical professional and having such a big voice in the community, because there 
is a lot of information out there. And some of it's great. And some of it's like, is that true? Should I try that? So I just love that, you know, I know that I could go and see what you're saying and be like, oh, okay. Like this is, this is, this is factual. This is, has a medical scientific reason behind it. And it's so helpful to know that. Um, so anyways, thank you for always taking your time out of, I'm sure your very busy schedule mm-hmm. to essentially give, you know, free advice or thoughts or different things to people like me who are like, wait, what are we supposed to do at this point? <laughs> um, so thank you. But yeah, I can be found at, um, at Samantha Bush, uh, B-U-S-C-H everywhere. And I try to, you know, talk about infertility, share recipes, show Brexton, my little son who's racing now, like his daddy. So it's pretty cool. Oh, well, thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed having Samantha on and hearing her story as much as I enjoyed talking to her. As always, you can follow along on Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD or go and check out the YouTube channel. Thanks, friends. 